Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. This is episode 208. This is a conversation with Charlie Wallace. He is a guitarist and a guitar teacher. He's based in Napier. It was my first time meeting him when I went to his house a month or so ago in, in Taradale and uh, and recorded this conversation with him. But I'd heard some of his music. His band uh, Black Smoke Trigger has released an EP on, on vinyl and it's on CD and all the streaming uh, platforms as well. They recorded that in America last year with uh, famous producer and engineer Michael Wagner who's worked with people like Ozzy Osbourne and, and Alice Cooper and, and you know a veritable who's who of metal and hard rock. Um, Charlie's story is fascinating. He created an online guitar course called Guitar Mastery Method and has built it up into a a multi-million dollar business um, creating online guitar tutorials. He was a high school dropout. He wasn't interested in school. Uh, He pulled out of school at a young age and he was back at that high school a year later as one of the guitar teachers, uh, teaching students at the school that he had basically pulled out of. So I knew a little bit about his story. Uh, I wanted to get to meet him and, and get his story. We talked through his, I guess, his business acumen and philosophy and his approach to music. His whole concept around building the guitar school and teaching people the guitar was to fund his passion and hobby of running a band and making records and having having a band and having band members at his ready to work on music which is what he now has with with Black Smoke Trigger they are touring the country in March so you'll get to hear their music in this podcast bits of it and you'll get to hear them I've, I'll put a list of the dates um, but this is a, a, a really interesting conversation with a very talented and interesting uh, guy and I, I loved meeting him and I really enjoyed this conversation um, I hope you do too thanks as always to Yesty Boys and Tea Leaf Tea this is me talking with guitarist and guitar teacher and businessman Charlie Wallace I've been aware of who you are and what you've been doing but uh, we've only just met so thanks for having me to your amazing place thanks man well, yeah thanks for the invite I'm yeah. looking forward to it yeah tell me I, wanna, I guess let's go back to are you a local did you grow up around here yeah yeah Hawke's Bay born and bred between Taradol and Napier it's mm. yeah lived here my whole life Mm-mm. now what I know about you is you basically started playing the guitar when you were about 12 yeah what was happening before that what were you interested in as a kid were you into music N- no not not all there was a p- very short period where I was in primary school where mm. I, I did pick up the guitar and uh, and strummed a few chords and then just got really sick of it, mm. which was the absolute perfect thing for when I actually wanted to get into it. There was an old dusty guitar in the garage mm-hmm. when I you know, actually really started playing. But before that, basically my whole life was consumed by basketball, and my right. dream was to be an NBA basketball player. That was, and you're still keen on that, because I oh, drove yeah. up to your place and you've got a basketball hoop every day, in the front of Every the day we're yeah, playing yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, and so well, what, what gets you towards the guitar? What is it that at 12... Well, I was, um, I'd stopped playing basketball uh, mm. because I had a coach that had asked me what I wanted to do. I said, I wanted to play in the NBA and he said, I can't help you get there, but I know other people who can. So I'll push you as hard as I can, you know, mm. and I was like, okay, cool. He kind of pushed me a little bit too hard and I was just a little bit too young, a little bit too immature to realize what he was doing. All the fun left for for me and then just became hard work. Mm. So I, I stopped playing and was really looking for something to fill that void. And I started skateboarding for a little while, was watching a skateboarding video, and I heard Paranoid by Black Sabbath. And I was like, 
that's a kick-ass song. Mm. And I'd heard that you could go and, you know, download songs illegally mm. off the mm. internet. So mm. I thought, I'm going to go and try this thing. And it's like, <laughs> I search up, you know, Paranoid by Black Sabbath, and uh, I couldn't find the song, but what I could find was this thing that said Paranoid Black Sabbath guitar tab. So I clicked on that, and then it had these six <laughs> lines and numbers, and I was like, well, maybe I could just play the song. <laughs> so I went down and got the guitar, yeah. and, um, and that was yeah, just a set of fire, and I never put it down. Wow, wow. So what were the, uh, outside of Black Sabbath, what were the early things that you got hooked into in terms of playing and, and listening to and wanting to play? Was it all sort of hard rock metal well, pretty it, much straight away? It often is for guitar players. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. And the interesting thing was that um, you know, you're, you're, a, a, you're a product of your surroundings. And yeah. because I was just fully into basketball, um, you know, in that world, there's a lot of rap music and mm. hip hop. So mm. I was like all about that, you know, mm. at a young age. And then um, and as soon as I picked up the guitar, I was just really frustrated when I'd search up songs, you yeah. know, like 50 Cent guitar tap. There wasn't any, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then so I was like, you know, just thinking back to when I was a kid and, you mm. know, it's like, well, you know, dad's got these ACDC records. And mm. then so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll play ACDC songs. So, yeah, like bands like ACDC. Um, Alice Cooper, Ozzy's solo stuff, uh, Led Zeppelin mm. um, is you're pretty much exclusively 70s, like Kiss and um, just, yeah, all, all bands like that. And then it's sort of progressed to then the 80s and then the 90s kind of mm -hmm. almost went through the generations mm -hmm. like that. Well, you, and you're talking about you're doing this in Hawke's Bay in a time when, I mean, I, this, this stuff kind of is always in fashion and never in fashion, right? Yes. Like, it's the, the, the names you just gave then. Like, because this is way past when they were a thing, but they just seem to hang there for groups of people to discover, whether yeah. it's musicians, whether it's young people playing guitars or drums or people driving around in cars, smoking <laughs> weed, whatever the whatever the subculture is, people just continue to find this music, right? But, but it would have been slightly out of step with what your peers were listening to i imagine oh yeah, yeah schoolmates yeah it, it, it was really bizarre because that was the thing that you know uh, thinking about it in you know retrospect um there was never a oh you know like led zeppelin have put out a new album and mm -hmm. i can't wait to get home and listen to this yeah 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 um so it was These you people know are dead and dying you know yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so, right. so for every band that i got into it was first um, you know the greatest hits, yeah. and then it was okay. Why well, really like that? So then <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. let's let's go deeper. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I remember I was um, I was speaking to uh, to you know, Jeff Boyle mm. from Jacob, mm. and um, and he asked me. He was you know, I was like very young and influential at the time, and he said um, he said he started listening to Nirvana yet? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a big Nirvana fan. He's like, oh cool. Well, what 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 mm. albums you got? I was like, I got the greatest, greatest hits. hits. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a Nirvana fan. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. And then that you know Went just things like Google their albums <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I did that. So doing that with a lot of other bands that I yeah. hadn't really explored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you and when you say you haven't really put the guitar down since, in those early couple of years, are you just all day after school, guitars in your hand? Literally, from that moment, it was. Um, I just was playing it every every single minute of the mm. day. Like I would. Um, stay up it was kind of one of those things that I never like went out of my way to do it it just sort of happened this way where I'd, I'd be so in love with playing the guitar that I'd stay up all night playing guitar yeah. then at school the next day I'd be falling asleep on the desk yeah. and some teachers really hated that um, but some kind of you know grew to 
realized that that's what I was going to do. And then when they were this saying, "This is what you're into," yeah. yeah, they were saying like, "What are you? What you? What are you doing?" And <laughs> What's I was keeping like, you up at night? I'm playing guitar yeah. all night because I'm going to be a rock star. And then yeah. they're like, "Well, if you're doing that, then how about like instead of interrupting everybody else?" I'll put you in this other room over here. You can do whatever you want. You want to bring in your guitar. You can play your guitar. You know, it's, it's wow, weird. Like having yeah. like t- total opposite, you know, had the teachers that were just like, wake up. Like, you yeah, know, just, yeah, yeah. But then the other ones that could see like, okay, well, you are actually really passionate about this and you're actually doing something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's... Uh, you're it's, not an idiot. You just don't care about maths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so then one thing I know about your story is you bail out of school at about 15. Yeah. So... This we can see how this is happening from what you're talking about. So school is school work is not a priority unless no. it's got a guitar or music in it. Well, yeah, the funny thing was even at music class, I was I did definitely learn a lot. Um, but as far as um, like you know credits mm. or anything like that, like mm. I left school with with none. You know, mm. so it was I, oh, I had three. I remember mm. I found out I had three credits. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things that I just, uh, yeah, was, had no interest. What do you leave school at 15 to do apart from sit around and play guitar? What are you, what's your thought? And, and yes, I'm going to be a rock star, but what, what are you going to do the next day when you don't turn up at school? Well, I was, uh, I was working at the music machine, mm-hmm. um, your local music store and, you know, I'd done work experience there through school because I got put in the, the naughty children class yeah, yeah. and, and uh, and I just knew that I was going to be, uh, you know, playing guitar no matter what I was doing. And at that point, I had been asked by a guy to teach, uh, teach guitar. And then so I had been asked to teach in school. So it was really, really bizarre when I was 15, leaving school, and then when I was 16, mm. um, being in staff rooms with teachers who actually thought I was much older. In fact, there was actually a school. Um, I won't mention the name, that actually gifted me a bottle of whiskey when I was 17 <laughs> as a thank you. I'm thinking, you think I'm a little bit older, you know? <laughs> and so um, there, w- there was that. And then I had also, um, you know, I remember one time my mum said, oh, like I got sick of this spam emails. And I'm like, what's, what's spam? And she's like, oh, it's just, you know, people sending emails and they're just like trying to trying to scam you to make money. And I'm like, you can do that so I remember like <laughs> going online and going how to make money with spam and then it's like oh spam's not good okay maybe I shouldn't do that <laughs> but then there's you know, legitimate ways yeah, yeah. to make money online and I'm yeah. thinking okay sweet well then this is in you know 2005 um, 2006 and then so I start l- looking into it and then it's like right well you know uh, I can write an ebook um, about how to play guitar and I've done all these guitar exercises that had really helped me improve my you know physical guitar playing mm. skills so I just I made an ebook with that and, and put that online and um, then I got really busy being a teenager and you know doing all that but uh, with the, the next five years that made uh, $20,000 um, relatively passively mm. and then so that was you know I thought that that would go off to make a lot more, but yeah. um, even then, you know, like having the the the, uh, the checks come in the mail, and then you know wanting to go buy some pot, and then all of a sudden you got money to go do that. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. you just have to go to the bank, and get, you know, yeah. it was um, it was it was really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely really cool. And how? What are you doing in terms of um, building up a band to play in at this time? Like, what are you doing in terms of live playing? Well, I had uh, my 
uh, my first like band that we I was like this is this is it. We had um, one of the lamest names in the world. We were <laughs> everyone we were, does right. Everyone's yeah. first band is terrible. <laughs> well, the fir- my first band name was actually Methvid. Right. <laughs> and, and I got that from Methvin Taps. Yeah. I was in science class at school, and I was like, I've changed the N for a D. And our teachers were like, Meth mm. bed. Like, and <laughs> it just went, you know, totally over yeah. our heads. But yeah, my my first band, I was like, this is this is it. Was called the Midnight Metal Symphony. Wow. And I thought that, that was a, a great name at the time. Wow. Um, then after a while, um, you know, so we start going through you know lineup changes as, as you do mm. and then ended up being a, a three-piece band and uh and then changing the name to Horoset, which was named after the two egyptian gods mm. um and uh you know horace and set and it was always mm. very difficult for people to either say it to to you know spell it or yeah. to to remember it um but that was the what we were doing we were, so we were called Horoset, we're a three-piece band and at that point we're we're playing as many shows as we can, you know, around here, mm. uh, building up a local audience, going and, and playing around New Zealand, and um, you know, trying to trying to do things as, as big as we could. Like in my mind, we were destined for great things. Mm. Um, you know, it's you know, trying to practice as much as possible, but I mean, you know, you got to like live your life as well, which was difficult, like, having to work and all that, and trying to organise people be in the same room. Um, the one thing that we did do, which was like a, the biggest learning curve for me, was that we um, had entered a uh, competition that was done locally here called City Showcase, mm. and that was um, they, they'd said that there was a prize that you know, you go over to Europe play some shows, and I was like, okay, sweet, well let's win that. Mm. And you know, being a basketball fan, I said to the guys, we got home court advantage. You know, <laughs> we can, well, we, we can mm. do this. Mm. And then so. Uh, so we actually ended up winning that and uh, and going over to, over to play some shows in Europe, which leads me to another point, which I'm sure we'll get to. So, mm, uh, mm. but that was what I was doing with the whole band thing at mm, that point. Mm, mm, okay. And so, when do you what when do you solidify teaching as a or as a business? Like, when do you start thinking, okay, so I've got these skills and I'm earning something but when do you start taking the steps to really make it a business well after you know i started teaching in these Mm. schools Mm. i started teaching at home as well Mm. um and at music machine just out the back and then so there was a lot of you know just the one-on-one lessons and that helped me solidify my my teaching method as well Mm -hmm. Um, because throughout that whole period, I was also really interested in, for instance, like how the brain actually learns so that I could learn faster. And then I was also, I've always been like a big Tony Robbins fan. So Mm. I'm I'm always pumping myself up. And then, so it's just kind of becomes part of you where like, you know, just getting people to, to take action. And then, so throughout all that period, I guess that was like the, the development of the way that I actually teach guitar. But the thing that really made me go like, okay, now I'm going to make this into a business mm. and actually make some real money with this was that after we had gone to Europe and played these shows, which were um, very poorly organized, um, the bands that we were playing with were like, man, like the organizers sucked. We didn't mm. know nothing about this. We turn up the venues like, oh, we didn't even have the posters. And, you know, like some of them were, were okay. Yeah. Some of them were terrible. And everyone who's played knows those horror stories exactly. right? like some version of that yep definitely yep. 
Um, after doing that, and then the bands were like, look, guys, come back. Mm. You, you guys can support us on our tour. We'll take you all around, like, you know, England and, and everywhere, and it'll be a great time. You guys are great guys. We get on great. Um, it's like, okay, awesome. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Let's keep in touch. And then just coming back to New Zealand and then realizing the the reality of the situation that that costs money to do. We got mm. our flights paid for, which made it a lot easier to do. But you know, being in um, you know multiple amounts of debt, um, my biggest debt at the time was that I was seven and a half thousand dollars behind on my rent mm. um, because I was you know like just didn't have the money to to, to pay it. Luckily, I, luckily I had a, um, a very understanding landlord, which you know supported me um, big time. These guys are like pretty much second parents to me, and um, and then I remember one time I went to the supermarket and I had. Uh, I'd driven down and I remember going, all right, well, I need petrol, I need toilet paper, I need food to feed me and my girlfriend at the time, and I need food to feed the cats. And I opened my uh, my my wallet and I had $3.20 in there. And I was just like, oh, this is just not going to work. you know. <laughs> and then so I was like, right, well, um, I'm going to get the cat food because they don't deserve to be hungry. You know, yeah, they don't yeah. know anything about this. And they can't speak to you. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then so that was, um, you know, just, just driving home up a hill every time I go around the corner, the car's running out of petrol. I'm just thinking <laughs> like, oh, man, like this, like the, number one, this sucks. But number two, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to get the band to where I want it to be if this is my living situation. Mm. And then so I said to the guys in the band that I was going to take a year off. I thought that's what it would take. Um, and I'm going to create a video guitar course and I'm going to put that online. I'm going to make a bunch of money and then we're going to be able to go full time with the band, put money behind the band. And, uh, and so that was, that was like the spark. That was the, the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what did you know of, of that world of online guitar video, you know, what obviously this isn't the early days of the internet, this stuff was out and about, but the social media channels were hardly there yeah. around this time. So were you actively following a few things? Did you have some, you know, some guidance in terms of you watched a few videos? You Well, I had learned uh, by, you know, finding information yeah. online and there wasn't many videos for instance that I had seen but I could see these you know these video courses were coming mm, out mm. and I'm like okay sweet well like this is this is where things are going so if I can create a, a video mm. course the other thing that, that I noticed like looking at them is that they all looked pretty lame you know mm. they're all set up just like a, a sterile background mm. um, by a guy that looked like he was a lawyer mm. and I'm just thinking like like if I just set up, uh, you know, at the cabana with the the lights and put a big amp there and rack of guitars mm. and a video the a guitar course there, then um, you know, then it's gonna look a whole lot cooler. And then so that was that was the re the way that I was I was looking at things and going like I you know if I made twenty thousand dollars passively off an ebook, then um, then if I do this, surely it will make a lot more. Yeah, yeah, and so. You say you took you take a year to develop this. Is that what it took? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I started working on this in 2011, mm. uh, and then so when I, I first started, I was yeah had no idea what I was getting into because I thought that I was creating 
a guitar course that I was going to sell online. I had no idea what I was actually doing was creating a business mm. and a company. Mm. And then so for the first three years, you know, I was working at Music Machine, teaching guitar lessons at schools, teaching guitar lessons at home, doing promotional work for the Cabana. And as I was learning how to create these websites, was creating, you know, websites for people mm. like, as well. So doing that, still playing in the band and then trying to build this business on top. Um, and then so for the next sort of like six, seven years, I really just ran on fumes. Mm. And um, and then so for that first three years before I was actually able to release the course, I just had to learn everything because obviously I had no funds to, to get any help. So, I, you know, just writing all the scripts for all, all the videos. Uh, and then when I actually you know videoed them, I had to you know say to, to a couple of dudes like, hey, look, can you please help me do this? I know you've got the gear. And then once I release it, I'll actually be able to pay you. Mm. And uh, thankfully, they they helped me out. And that was uh, Mori from Jacob mm. and uh, and John Norris, who's an amazing videographer, got a great company now called Engage. And then so they they helped me film it. And then it took me. Uh, a year after that to the point where I could actually release it and that during this year I'm just editing the videos um, I already done a lot of prep work but then I had to learn how to create you know members area set up the payment processing um, just every single you know image editing every single tiny intricacy that goes into putting something online mm -hmm. I had to do myself because obviously, as I said I couldn't afford to get any help and then so yeah it was three years before that moment where I was actually able to click the button to to make it to, go live. To make it go live. And how many times in that three years do you have even just momentarily a bit where you go, oh, this is fucking stupid. I need to actually just, like, get a, get a job that's not this or just dedicate, you know, give this away and just play music and stick with my teaching. This isn't going to work. This is too hard. I, I, it's funny because the, the, the biggest moment for that of that for me came um, the second I clicked the button to go live. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, previous to that, as, you know, during this three-year period, I definitely had shiny object syndrome a little bit where mm. it's just like, I'm... Um, as I'm, you say, running on fumes. You're just yeah. eyes on the prize. It, yeah. Well, that too, but as well, it's like, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, what if I learn how to yeah. trade money? And what if I learn how to, you know, like, you know, do... Yeah. It's like, oh, network marketing, what's that? Well, what if that was an opportunity? You know, but then it was... Things just always came back. I was like, no, like this is the thing that I know how to do, mm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this. But yeah, that moment that I um, actually clicked live was um, is I was sleeping on this fold uh, broken fold out couch that I have to fold up every mm. day to make room for my students to come in, and then so I rolled out of that at, at just before 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. I remember. And then I had to be careful of how I was sitting on the edge, or else it's just gonna flip upside down. And then uh, I only had a couple hours sleep. I was up all night getting things ready. And then uh, I clicked the button at exactly 10 o'clock, which sent out the emails, which said it was live. Mm. And then I'm just sitting there just watching that, just hit and refresh over yeah, and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And nothing's coming through, nothing's coming through. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, it was that moment of just yeah. like, I started feeling like it was just empty inside. And I was just like, have I just wasted three years of my life? Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I'm just kind of getting really stressed out. <laughs> and then so I was like, right, I'm just going to go stand outside. So I went and stood outside, just breathing in the fresh air and, um, and just trying to be okay with the fact that mm. I potentially just wasted all this time. And then I remember <laughs> I, I went back inside and, uh, and clicked refresh uh, and 
it was exactly 10.17 and I had got my first sale $47. Yeah. And that was the biggest $47 that I've ever made in my life. Like yeah. that was just like, at that moment, it was like, it could have been a million bucks. Like the way I was just feeling, I was just like, yes, yeah, like this. Yeah. And it was confirmation that that was the only confirmation I, I needed to know that, that one clip, this was going one, to work. One sale. But because what you were describing there in terms of that um, anxiety and that, that, you know, have, what did I do the right thing? Was this a waste? That's where, you, and everyone has this, that's sort of where your imposter syndrome comes in, right? You're like, fuck, is anyone going to buy this? You know, <laughs> does this work? Am I as good as I thought I was? Like, do people need this? That's all a version of an imposter syndrome. You know? Absolutely. Can, can they get this from anyone else? Yeah. Anywhere else at any other time? Or are they going to come to me? And then that one sale tells you, I think people are going to come to me. Well, exactly, you know. Yeah. And then so the other interesting thing is that, that somebody actually said to me, um, Steve Vai has free guitar lessons on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, how are you going to beat that? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, no, it's, it's, it's going to work, it's going to work, you know. And, and up until that moment, I believed that, but that 17 minutes sort of <laughs> extreme out. <laughs> now, what was the person getting, roughly, like, without getting too bogged down, what was the person getting for their $47? That was the first course that I yeah. that I ever created. And yeah. then, so that that course was actually called Guitar Mastery Method. And that, as I say, before I realized I was creating a business, I actually yeah. relabeled the company Guitar Mastery Method and relabeled the course Guitar Mastery 101. And so this was basically a guitar course that I thought, right, if I could create something that I could send in a time capsule to a younger version of myself yeah. to help me get to where I am faster, um, you know, what would that be? And then so that's the course that I created for, you know, Guitar Mastery Method. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, six and a half hours of, of videos, um, you know, reference material that they downloaded in PDF format. And, uh, you know, they could email me, ask questions, um, and yeah, it mm -hmm. access it online. So as well as learning how to, to code that and place that, you've also got to create that course first of all, or, yeah. or in steps during it. So it's a massive, massive amount of work, right? When you look back on everything that it took to get you to that dance. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's one of those things that it's, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back now, and especially the years after that, actually growing it, um, the, uh, and the, the sacrifices that, that need to be made. You know, yeah. it's really fun with my friends. It's like, you know, so many weekends where they're like, come out, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm working on this thing. It's like, you really sure it's gonna, yeah. you know, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. come have a drink. Like, yeah. you know, don't don't waste too much of your time on that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then now they see it, and they're like, it's so funny. That was think, worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. And, and you can buy them a drink, probably. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what, you know, 10, 17, you get the first sale. Yeah. What's and that, as you say, is the most important forty-seven dollars you've ever earned, and not a good hourly rate. No, <laughs> based no, on what we've no, just been no, talking no. about. But that's not important. <laughs> What's the next milestone? Is it seventeen minutes later, one or two other people have bought it, or is it days or weeks or months later that the next really big thing? Well, for me, that because that was uh, it was like August fifth. 2014 mm -hmm. and then so when when that first sale had come through and then you know a few more had come through um i was I, yeah i just got goosebumps just remembering this this whole scenario mm. just like yes this is happening and then being able to go to people being like it's working like there are people buying this thing and then so it was like right well this is a, a real thing now and my main focus was how can i 
put a full-time effort into this because obviously I was doing all these other things and mm. so that was my focus is to create enough income off it that I could actually do that but obviously at the start I, w- I had to funnel everything back in mm. so it was really a process um, of uh, I would make some sales and I'd, I'd get those sales and I just learned how to run ads on Facebook and then so I'd pump that money into Facebook ads um, to the point where I had, um, you know, I'd go over my, my billing threshold so they'd charge me and then when I didn't even have the money I'd have my billing threshold at like $500 and so I'd like keep running the ads until it reached 490 and I'd watch it like a hawk and I'd just click pause yeah. and then and then as soon as I, you know, like as soon as I do that, I have to wait for the money to come in, wait for the, you know, to go into the bank, and then I'd put that back, pay that, and sort of go that process over again, and then uh, just slowly but surely build it like a snowball to the point where I didn't have to turn off the ads. Mm. And then, um, yeah, I remember from uh, from that point in August until um, the end of the year, I'd made uh, around thirteen thousand uh, dollars, and then so I was like. You know, at that point, I was like, right, well, this is this is a legitimate thing. You yeah, know? yeah, we can grow this. This, yes. this has legs. Yeah. So what's the next really big significant, it's the following year, really, that you start to be able to track numbers go up, if yes. not every month, but yeah. every other month, there's a, essentially there's a rise throughout the year, right? Definitely. And so that was, uh, yeah, so 2015 was, uh, you know, and every year I had to learn mm. different things. And so it's like yeah, when I... tools are coming in too in terms of analytics and stuff. Exactly. Right, for you to be able to measure things. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And then so 2015 was, um, yeah, was, was a, me learning that I cannot just have one product, you know. Mm-hmm. And then so uh, that was... Uh, that year um, we made, well, we, I, at that point, it was mm. just me, uh, made 80,000 in sales. And then so uh, that was like the first time that I was able to start like pulling some money out and start mm. paying, you know, paying back some of this rent that I owe. Yeah, yeah. And then so that was, that. I mean, this whole time for me is like a little bit of a blur because I, I all I literally did was just sit at, at, the, at a desk. You know, that's mm. all I did until the point where I could... Um, you know, I was obviously still, uh, you know, working at Music Machine and doing these guitar lessons, but I just started tapering those back to the point where I was just doing this full time. So that was the year I was able to go full time with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And you're functioning in terms of you're creating a product, you're running a site, you're generating income. Are you looking after yourself? Like how when you say before, I'm just getting by on fumes. Like, what's your life like? You just you're painting a picture of someone that's just hovelled over a, a desk with a guitar next to them in an amp and that's your life. Yeah. It's not far off that? Not at all. Um, the cats are being fed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Are, you, are you, is there petrol going into the car or is there <laughs> the correct fuel going into you or is it just, you nah, know, the bad nah. stuff? What's it, going on? It was, um, I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a very... I look back at it now. I'm like, that was a hard time. But I don't think about it like that because because at, at that time I was just spending the whole time with my head being in the vision of mm. what will be. Mm. And I remember my brother said, like, dude, I had no idea how bad you had it. Why didn't you just like ask for help? It was like, well, I don't know. Like because I was so set on what I was doing. And when you're in the tunnel, you can only yes, see exactly what you can see, right? And so yeah, I wasn't really. Um, uh, like eating um, like super healthy I, I, I try to have like one healthy meal a day so I remember I used to buy the cheap frozen veggies and I'd whiz them up and then cook them in some eggs and this kind of disgusting mash 
and then I would eat that just thinking, right, well, at least I'm going to get some nutrients, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the healthy meal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but sleep for me at that point was just, was not a priority. But, I mean, I was like, young, like early 20s, and so it was like, I, that's what I just did. Mm. But, I mean, I literally had friends of mine, like, be like, dude, you should probably sleep, you know, yeah, like yeah, you look yeah. like you're dead. And they had people who were like a little bit, you know, not as close to me. Um, I remember one time this guy pulled me aside and he was like, hey man, um, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah it's okay. I'm, 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 I'm all good, you know? And he's like, you know, you, you're not, you're not looking too good, hey? And I'm like, okay, like, what are, what are you getting at? And he was like, are you smoking crack or anything? Like, <laughs> No, like what? Why? And he's like, oh, it's like I'm sorry, man. Like just you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm sleeping like three hours a night, and like maybe that's it, you know. And then so it was, um, it was definitely taking a, a toll on my uh, on my physical body. But um, it was it was just what what I needed to do. It was like it was absolutely necessary. I mean, I remember there was at one point, um, and, and this kind of continued on. Like I remember the most extreme two weeks I had was I slept a total of 13 hours in two weeks where I would just wake up, go over to uh, like a little trampoline, just bounce on that to get my lymphatic system going <laughs> and go and do some pull-ups and then just like, yeah, <laughs> all right, let's go. <laughs> and I had a standing desk and I had three uh, three levels that I have the desk. I'd have sitting and I was standing and then I'd have somewhere in the middle where I'd have yeah. like a bar stool because just every... Yeah thing became uncomfortable yeah and i'd kind of just be in this days where i was just really dizzy and i'd have to kind of like no i'm good i'm good okay and then it just seems it's especially talking about it now it seems really extreme but i remember like that next week i released a product and um and made fifty thousand dollars that week and so that was um i remember being on a a live webinar like after this after this period and I remember at that point I'd had 11 hours sleep in two weeks and I thought, <laughs> right, I'll have a couple hours sleep before I go on this webinar. I had no time to prepare and I'm on this thing just like absolutely exhausted with like over a thousand people from around the world uh, on this webinar, like while I'm teaching guitar, literally running on fumes and, um, and the comments that were coming in, they were just like, man, like you look horrible. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? But then it was like, and as I was saying this, I was like, Look, I was going to be honest with you guys. Like, I have not really slept in like yeah. two weeks. I've been getting this ready so that I could release this to you, mm. sort of thing. And um, and it was just funny because then people were just like, "Man, I'm buying this. This guy has just been working his yeah, ass off." Say, you know? It's always quite a good ad for what you're doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. people know you really care. I mean, yeah. you can laugh about it, but when did? But when do you sort this out? When does it become? Have you sorted this out that you? Can sleep and that you can you know when does that when do you address that well i mean is there a massive crash too is there a like do you write yourself off to the point where you can't get out of bed for a bit or um well i mean people have always said to me like you know you know like you, know, you can't keep going like this because you're going to burn out like even yeah. people now say that to me um even though it is it is better but the thing is uh, i think that you know burnout can happen when when you when you're doing things that you don't want to do, yeah. you know, but when it's like a mission that's yours, yeah. I think it's kind of, uh, if you want it's a bad different enough, adrenaline. Exactly, exactly. Something. Yeah, yeah. I know that's not the scientific yeah, answer, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I relate to that. Like when you are focused on a thing that you believe in, it's almost like you pull from a different set of resources. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then so your 2015, we did, um, well, I did, yeah, like 80,000. And then 20, uh, 2016, 
I uh, yeah, built the company up to, it was doing 150,000. Um, and at that point, I had got a full-time video editor called Almar mm. in uh, the Philippines, and he was like helping me do, yeah, get more done, you know. And, um, and I started getting a friend of mine, Johnny, to help me with uh, the customer support. And then, so at that point, I'm still working, you know, an, an insane amount of time. Um, you know, Johnny's just working part-time. Um, but at that point, I was able to, like just live in the house by myself and have an office room and actually buy a bed. That was like the, the like a huge accomplishment mm. for me. Like I've actually got a bed after like years. I've got a proper bed now, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, then 2017, that was the year that the company had um, like the biggest percentage of growth, and I grew it from 150,000 um, for the year to uh, 1 million 500,000 in that year. And then uh, that was also, yeah, I started really building the team. The next year, 2018, um, then things started to, um, I started to, to look at things a little bit differently, but I uh, was still really not sleeping that much. Like definitely 2019, I've got the most sleep that I've ever got. Yeah. I really made it a, a priority. So it's kind of one of those things that's only like just sort of balancing. Well, I guess, I guess there's a, a metaphorical aspect to being able to sleep a little better too and that you know yeah things are more secure yes yes it's still big risk and you're going to push yourself because you're trying to grow something that will eventually could eventually plateau right yeah um, yeah how do you that let's go back is it 2017 that you take it to over a million yeah how does that how can you you know looking back what can you say was the thing that made that happen apart from all your hard work what was the particular product or style of marketing well at that point um i was you know just absorbing as much as i could like just every single thing about online digital advertising everything and then so uh, just reading books you know getting online courses and i got an online course by a guy called ryan levesque and here's something what she calls the ask method and you know, asking, basically asking your customers what, what they want and giving it to them in the most simplest term. Obviously, it goes much deeper than that. Mm. And then so I, I first got his book and, I'm, and I was, you know, reading his book. I was like, okay, this is good. I should, you know, implement this. And it's kind of funny because I'm actually in his second book, which mm. is really bizarre. And then so uh, after, you know, buying his course, um, it kind of like this bizarre circumstance where I went to go catch up with a friend of mine um, who's in Toronto, uh, Steve Mastrani, and uh, and he was in a band assigned to Gene Simmons record label and toured with Kiss, and um, and then so yeah, he had uh, like uh, quite a lot of success in the music world. Like now he's got um, platinum albums yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but during this period, he was um, really focusing on you know digital advertising. Had a guitar business similar to mine, and so yeah, just went to get, catch up with him, and I was like about to say, dude. I've been reading this book by this guy, Ryan Levesque. Like he's, you know, mm. this is this is going to be really good. And he say, says to me, he's like, dude, you know what I'm like? Like I'm not about to get a job, but there's this guy, Ryan Levesque, and and, and uh, there was an opportunity to work part time like with his team. And so I've like taken it so I can go like learn and absorb as much as possible. And I'm like, dude, that okay? This is like really uncanny. And then. Um, it, through his course, it was at one point where you know he said, "Look, if you can get like ten thousand segmented leads using the methodology that I teach, mm. I'm going to give you a free ticket to my ten thousand dollar event 
in Austin. We come and you learn for three days um, with you know an amazing group of people. And I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I could do that. I mean, at that point, I was the skills that I had and just understanding his methodology. I was like, I could, I could really do that. And then so you know, got the 10,000 leads and then got a plane ticket to Austin. And then so uh, that, yeah, went over to Austin and just being in a room with people that, you know, some of them had made over a hundred million dollars and mm. it's just, but you're talking to them and they're just like, it's just like us talking now. They're just really nice people. Mm. And then they leave and then someone's like, do you know that guy? It's like, <laughs> this is what he's worth. What? This is what he's done. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. crazy. And, yeah. it, and for me, it was a huge paradigm shift because I had always been, um, you know, under the, uh, the assumption, um, just from, you know, the things that I got told and the fact that I never knew anybody with money, that everybody who had money was a dickhead and, you know, had done something evil to, to get it. And then it was one of those things that like just being in a room with the wealthiest people that I'd ever been in a room with mm. and they're the most generous, kind people asking me about my business going, oh, have you tried this? Maybe if, you know, you do this and you'll be able to get to that next level sort of thing. Mm. And then so um, it was like, I was like, okay, you know, this is really, really cool. And then being in a room like that, I just learned and absorbed so much. And being able to ask a question that was so complicated for me and for it to have somebody like, like chuckle and then give me an answer that was so simple and you know and then it's just about scaling you know and improving things mm. and um and then so that was i just took all that information back and then that year i just started traveling i just traveled to the states um you know a few times at least just going to these events because all of a sudden i knew that getting in a room with people who knew way you know just that whole being the, mm. the dumbest person mm. in a room thing mm. And then so just implementing that and then also Did you go and see some team. shows as well? Some music shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, right? In America, yeah. they're all happening. And That's then right. so, so yeah. as well as NBA basketball games, yeah, yeah, which I could yeah. go to for the first time in my life. I was yeah, like, wow. man, like, this is great, you know? Oh, good. So you, there was a bit of play alongside yeah. the work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And so then what happens from there? Like... That's what 2018. That was uh, 2017. 2017. Yeah. Still, yeah. What happens in 2018? Well, uh, by 2018, I had really grown a, a team. You know, mm. like in uh, I in 2017, I had got um, uh, Jevin came on board, who was my bassist in Horaset, and so he came on board. Uh, and at that point, me, Johnny, and Jim were like, we can, we need an office. You know, so we got an office um, just in town here. And then the team just started growing. So 2018 was really when we solidified who that team was. And, uh, and I, you know, at that point I needed to learn different skills of, okay, so how do you actually manage people? Um, how do you, you know, like have divisions? So it's like, well, we got the support team and we got the tech team, we got the marketing team, um, or is the marketing team the same as the mm. tech team? And, you know, who's doing what? Yeah. And then so, you know, learning, there's a whole bunch of learning on that side of things. And then it was like, right, we need to learn this stuff. Let's get into a mastermind for the guy that knows how to teach that. And so a lot more travel. And then, yeah, 2018 um, also got ripped off. Um, how? Uh, a guy basically took advantage of the fact that I had had some success and was incredibly naive. And um, it really showed me how 
manipulative and evil people can be. Like the the lengths that this guy had gone to to uh, to prove his credibility mm. in circles to the point where like where everybody thought that this guy was legit through the multiple layers of just absolute lies that he would tell. Um, to the point where um, me and um, a few others, like you know, lost mm. a lot of money. Like I lost a hundred thousand dollars to this guy who was basically going to take over so many different aspects of the business. And you know, one big lesson for me was just to never hand over the keys. I mean, like let someone take over a small part, but never mm. you know hand over the keys. And then so that was um, yeah, that was a, a definitely a, a, a big lesson. But I'm glad it happened. What happened then. to him? What happens to him? Um, he, uh, we found out. Yeah. Um, the collective group of us um, found out that he was um, actually he bankrupt. Was, yeah. yeah, not who he said he was. And uh, then you know, spoke to um, you know, spoke to a, a lawyer um, who basically said, "There is no point. He had, doesn't have anything. Mm. You can go for him for all you want, and you're not going to get anything." Yeah, yeah. So it was like, right, okay, that's you know the. It was uh, paid a hundred thousand dollars to and a whole bunch of time to, to learn a lesson, you know. Yeah. Um, that year was um, still able to um, double the business, so we we got to uh, three million in revenue, and um, yeah. And so that was that, that by the end of that year, it was um, that was just like okay. That was a big year of lessons, you know, and, and while still working insane hours, really. Mm. Mm. Wow. And what's happening with your music around this time? Nothing. Nothing. At all. I, I figured. Yeah. How could it be? Yeah. It yeah. was, I mean, you know, the, the whole goal was to, 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 you know, obviously like fund the band full time so that I could actually do the thing that I'm, I'm like, you know, really, really passionate about. Um, but yeah, absolutely nothing is happening. But at the same time, my perspective of the thing that I had built was changing as well mm. because... You know, like at the starts, like anything, I, I need to make money. I'm doing this so that I can make money. And then when I started getting testimonials from, you know, people that I'd never met in the United States or UK or Germany, Croatia, just everywhere around the world, um, you know, saying like, dude, your guitar lessons have changed my life. Like, you know, I've literally met, you know, members who are like, literally like tearing up telling me how mm. much the, their life has improved because of, you know, like the guitar lessons and guitar mastery method. And so when this thing started happening, it was like, right, this thing is actually bigger than me. This is the, now there's a, a team of people and, and the, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people around the world who are experiencing these guitar lessons. And then, so the thing that also helped me grow the company was, really stopping to think how can we make money to how can I deliver or how can we deliver more value to these people's lives because now we actually know who these people are we know what they want to achieve with with the guitar so how do mm. we do that in a more impactful way which gives them the you know the bigger results in their life and then so at the same time as the the team it's like you know Johnny um, he's now my COO he was a builder you know, before it's like, you know, no mm. business mm. skills, like just like myself, you know, mm. he was a builder, a Jevin who came on board, he was a chef, um, Jade was like my, uh, you know, he's now my chief marketing officer. He, um, you know, he was driving tractors, just wanting to get into the internet marketing world, you know, so it was, um, 
it's definitely changed, you know, not just my life, it's just a, yeah. a lot of people's lives. And so that sort of, yeah, gave me a totally different perspective on, on what it is. And then at the same time, you know, knowing that one day I'm going to have to stop being in the day-to-day in order to actually yes. get into the, the music stuff that I actually really want to do. So then that actually happened on the 1st of March. That was the, the last day that uh, that I was in Guitar Master Method day to day. You know, obviously I'm in in you know in and out all, all day every day. But it's running without you. Yes. Being there on the tools. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. Like, I, I wanted to ask you, what's it like for you? I mean, you sound like you've been able to, you know absorb being ripped off as a philosophical cost you've learned from it and so forth so what's it like for you to make that realization that the company is bigger than you but at the same time it it never existed without you you know it's like that that's got to be an interesting thing to ponder that you somehow you have created all of this now there's an infrastructure around it and a a bunch of really talented people that you've helped cultivate but they're doing really good work and it could go on to a full life without you entirely at some point but it's still your brainchild right it's still yours and it exists because of you yeah it's it is really bizarre i mean Obviously, it's like, you know, with my sort of head down into work all the time, and whether that's the, the business or the band, um, you know, don't usually sort of stop to think about things like that too often. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, especially understanding now that, you know, in 2019 of, of stepping away from the day-to-day, and it's like, okay, well, like, still all working, and, like, you know, there's, these guys are still getting paid so they can mm. put food on their you know, kids' plates and, mm. um, and our members are still learning and I've got now amazing guitar players from all around the world that are teaching guitar lessons and so it's, yeah, I mean, like, we literally have, you know, had discussions and are still setting things up so that if any one team member of Guitar Mastery Method was to die, that it could continue on and that includes me, you know, because mm. it's, it's now it's not just important to me, it's important to a lot more people. Mm. Amazing. Um, and what? let's go back to when you were working out to ask your customers what they wanted. What did they want? They wanted to play like Steve Rubel. Yeah. <laughs> and, how, and, and how did that sit with you? Well, I mean, it was, it was really interesting because, you know, like, I, you know, one of the questions I asked was, like, who's your favorite guitar player? And when you're getting thousands of responses through, um, you know, it's very quickly you, you see who these people are. Hmm. It was Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, and Steve Ray Vaughan. Like, those are the top four. And so it's like, okay, cool. Well, like, that's, I mean, I, I love all those guitar yeah, players, yeah, yeah. you know. And um, Yes, on some level, if you play the electric guitar, yeah, yeah. you can't not. Well, like, that's You can have true. other favorites, but yes. they are some of the most visible yes, definitely. guitar players definitely. through modern history. As and well. there was surprises yeah. as well, you know, yeah. people like Eddie Van Halen and yeah. Slash, yeah. who, you know, I really love. Mm. Um, but they were like, you know, a little bit further down on the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Um, but it was also just, um, you know, like, yeah, understanding what products that, that they wanted. So I was like, okay, sweet, well, I'll make a Texas Blues course. Um, it was also... Yeah, understanding um, what they they didn't care about. It was also, uh, you know, just understanding how the, the the language that they actually spoke with. Because, you know, being one hundred percent New Zealand, um, it was 
you know, it's really interesting just like people are saying, like, I don't know what you mean by this. You know, I can't think mm. of an example right mm. now. Or mm. um, also things like people just saying, I really love your lessons, but, um, you know, just have a hard time understanding sometimes. And I, I did, had no idea what on earth mm. they were talking about because I'm like, well, I'm speaking English. Yes. But, then when but it, it isn't just accent, is it? It's the colloquialisms yes, as well. And yes, and very true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like one thing that I've started to do and I, I do all the time now, and my friends take the piss out of me for it, um, just because sometimes it happens automatically and I can even hear it happening now sometimes, is that like I say, um, you know, ah, differently. And so I learned this when I was in America and, you know, the waitress is like, oh, can I get you a drink? And I'm like, uh, yeah, just a water, please. Mm. Just like, a what? A water. <laughs> a what? A water. A what? And I'm like, a water. Oh, a water. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. now I get it. Now I understand what my members are talking about. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it, it was all those things that, that helped me understand, you know, yeah, what they wanted, how they wanted it, and, and how they wanted it spoken to them as, you know. Mm-hmm. So the new band is Black Smoke Trigger. Yes. When does that come into existence? And how does that set up and align itself with what you're doing now? Like, how do you develop that that group? Well, Black Smoke Trigger is, you know, it's uh, Baldrick who ended up joining Horror Set as a singer. And we've got Dan Fulton on bass and, uh, and Josh Tomato on, on drums. And then so I was, in my mind, I was like, right, well, I need to put together a band of absolutely fantastic musicians who can uh, you know like support me on this journey and we can you know like really do this and then so you know I already knew that Baldrick was was the guy for the vocals you know like we had been mm-hmm. mates since intermediate and um, and I shared the vision he was like yeah man cool like sounds damn good to me and then uh, and then uh, when we were still horror set um, we we're playing some shows supporting Jacob and at that time my drummer um, Matt couldn't play the shows and then so I was like hey man like uh, I'll just get Josh to fill in so we got Josh to fill in and then um, and Jevin had uh, at that point quit the band he said look man I know where you want to get this to and with like my family and you know I don't have the time to dedicate to it so I've, I've got to step away so I was like okay cool thanks for you know, being so straight mm. up about it, mm. and then so we had uh, we had uh, a guy called Ben playing bass for us at that time, and then so you know during those shows I was like, wow, like you know, like me and Josh went way back as well. I was like, man, like this, like how would you feel about coming on board for this vision that I've got? And he's like, yeah, man, absolutely. So both Baldrick and Josh actually started working inside of Guitar Mastery Method because they just said, look, let's just get in the same room as mm. each other, and then so through the last sort of period of 2018, it got to the point where they would spend the morning uh, at the office doing you know, customer support, and then after lunch, they would come here, and we had like just built this at that point, uh, built the studio, and then so they would come here to practice, and um, you know just get into the flow of actually you know, doing music. And then, um, uh, we hit, yeah we started uh, so March first I stepped away from day to day, and at that point uh, Dan uh, Baldrick and Josh their full time position was to play in Black Smoke Trigger, mm. and then so that was you know that was an exciting day it was like right we're we're literally there it was really interesting actually um, that Dan wasn't actually there on the first day 
because um, we actually had um, a guy, Brandon, from the band His Master's Voice, who mm. Horace had played a whole bunch of shows with, and I said, hey man, like, I'm doing this thing, do you want, do you want in? And, uh, and you know, after a lot of in-depth thought, he was like, yep, I'm, I'm absolutely keen on this, let's do it. Um, and he was gonna um, come down from Auckland two weeks at a time, like two weeks on, two weeks off. And, uh, and then so, after the first two weeks of, of being down here and us jamming, um, it was just one of those things that we, we found that we didn't really just, we just weren't gelling as far as the, the musical style. Mm. Like there's, you know, like he's absolutely great player, but yeah. when we were playing, it was just like, oh, like we, we're trying to pull this in, in different directions. And so when I, you know, was rung him up to be like, hey man, I don't think this is gonna work. He's like, man, I feel the exact same thing. This is an amazing opportunity and I had to try it. It's just not my opportunity. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, um, hey, Dan, <laughs> you know, he's an absolutely incredible bass player. So, um, so he came on board and um, there was some you know, really bizarre circumstances that sort of just made everything line up perfectly. Um, and then so at that point, we just started uh, writing, writing songs. And I also had a really interesting um, line of events which led us to recording with Michael Wagner, mm. who's you know a huge rock producer, worked with Metallica, Ozzy Osbourne, Skid Row, Motley Crue, and uh, where I, uh, a friend of mine um, who I'd met through Ryan Levick's group, uh, his name's Rick Barker, and he was the original manager for Taylor Swift, and so you know we met there and just got on like a house on fire, and, and I you know kept on going to America, and he's, he lives in Nashville, and he was like, dude, you keep coming to America, but you have not been to Nashville yet. Mm. It's the music, music capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. Like, come stay at my place, I'll take you around some places, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and he had also introduced me to uh, an absolutely incredible guitar player uh, called Ariel. And she uh, has done some incredible things. Like, she literally plays in Eric Johnson's band, mm. um, got like, yeah, like your own solo stuff that's just incredible. And she had worked with Michael Wagner. And uh, she happened to be in Nashville at, at that time as well. And um, we kind of teed up so that she was actually teaching some lessons in Guitar Mastering Method before this. And so I was like, hey, I'm in Nashville, we should catch up. And then so, um, you know, Rick's taking me around, I was like, oh, this is the store that Eric Clapton bought Blackie at. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, wow. like, and it's just, yeah. it's, I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. And then um, and Ariel's like, would you like to meet Michael Wagner? tomorrow when we catch up. And it was just like, um. This place. <laughs> and I remember like, like she sent me a link to his Wikipedia page and I'm just yeah. like, favorite album, favorite album, yeah, favorite yeah, album. Yeah. I'm like, yes please. Yeah. And then so, um, so we, you know, we drive out to his place. It's about like, um, like 20, 30 minutes outside of, of Nashville. And his studio is, is at his house, at the back of his house. And then so, I remember just like walking out and then just he's coming to the, the door and I'm just like thinking like wow like I'm about to meet this guy you know mm. and then um, and he's just like hey like you know just super genuine just like one of the nicest guys in, on the planet so hey you know he's at the door like yeah come on in and you just go in and there's this like shrine of just gold and platinum records just lining this whole room yeah. and it, again it's just all my favourite albums yeah, yeah. and I'm just all like the things you learn to play guitar so exactly, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. and I'm just like this is just nuts yeah 
and then so you go into the studio and he's you know just showing me around and then I'm just like well this is just mind-blowing like being in this room you know and then I'm just asking him questions you know Zach Wilde's one of my favorite guitar mm. players and I was like so what was it like working with Zach and he's like oh man like he was incredible he just sit there with his dog and if you play you know just play guitar and he'd be like oh just give me five minutes I'll write a write, write a solo for this song and mm. then you'd go away get a coffee cup back and then you'd play something he's like dude that's great and he's like track it again I'll, I'll you know I'll double it and he just double it perfectly even though he only just sort of written it. he reckons it's just yeah like a one take master sort of thing and uh and it was just like wow like hearing that story and then he's like oh you yeah, know here's the picks that we used on the Skid Row album and on this guitar has been used on every single record that I've recorded since 88 and it's just like like yeah. this is just mind-blowing and then um and then Ariel said um, oh, Charlie plays in a rock band and he's like oh cool you should send me through some tracks sometime and I thought okay like I will you know yeah, yeah. but I mean <laughs> come on you know yeah, yeah. and then so uh, you know so yeah we left and then um, and when I got back to New Zealand I uh, you know I, I sent him you know a message added him on Facebook sent him a message I was like hey man like here's my um, you know here's the here's the tracks um you know, great to meet you. Thank you so much for just the It's just incredible. <laughs> and then he uh, messaged back and he said, your music's right up my alley. If you ever want to work together, let me know. And then so I don't think that I've um, ever been so excited in my life. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, like absolutely. Like, and then so that led us down the, the conversation. And receiving of, that of, message must have been a bit like that first $47 sale. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely, man, definitely. Yeah. And then so that was like, right, well, um, or I know that I'm already going to, you know, make it to the point where I'm able to, you know, make this band go, like, full-time, that that's what we're doing. Mm. But now to have this in the pipeline was just awesome, you know. So we literally were writing for, for March, April, May, um, and then uh, in late June we actually went uh, over and recorded with Michael uh, for two months, and uh, that was, you know, as far as music stuff, that was like, you know, the biggest, biggest lessons that I've, you know, it, it's just unbelievable how much you can, in the same way that I'm in business masterminds mm. and learn so much. It's like, I, well, I already thought I knew a lot about music and I knew a lot about playing guitar, but to be in a room with that guy mm. and then he's just like, you know, just says one thing, it just changes, you know, mm. whether it's that song structure or guitar solos. And all or, of the walls. And everything in those walls has so many stories, right? Exactly. Like it's all swirling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that was like a huge, huge lesson for me was that, um, you know, we were so busy with the writing that when we actually got over there, we didn't have finished songs yet. You know, we still had to do a lot of the lyrics, mm -hmm. a lot of the vocal melodies, and I only had one guitar solo. Um, and it was actually because he'd chosen a song that um, we thought, oh, we'll, we'll just throw, mm. we'll throw a horror set track in there. We'll just see, mm. see what he says, you know. And, um, and he chose a song to be on on the, the EP called Only Human. So I already had a guitar solo for that, and I already played it a lot. And then so I, I remember the it was the first only, only song I had a solo to. So I was like, we should do this one first, you know. And then we go, I go to play it and. And I just remember I warmed up so much because at this point, this guy has seen every part of the band. He saw Josh play drums, so he's a good drummer. He saw Dan play bass, he's like, man, this guy's a freak. You know, he saw 
Baldrick sing. He's like, man, absolutely incredible. Seeing me play rhythm guitar, he's like, you've done such a good job on that, man. Like, it's like, you know, you got done so quick and it sounds great. So I'm thinking, right, lead guitar is the only part of this band he hasn't seen. I want, I want to leave a good impression. Mm. So I play the hell out of the solo. It was by far the best I've ever played it. I remember, like, in the tracking room, well, in the in the the control room, sorry, you know, I'm just just played it, and I remember I looked up, and Dan was just like leaning over the thing, and he just gave me a thumb. So it was just like, man, that was I could I could hear him think, mm. man, you played the hell out of that. And then Michael's sitting at the desk, and then he just goes. Yeah, that's that's not gonna work. If, have you got any other ideas? And I was just like, no, I don't. <laughs> I just played you all my yeah, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, oh, oh, yeah, that was just like, um, okay, wow. well, what do I do now? You know. And then so to have him guide me through writing a solo was was just crazy. And you know, and then so that was that solo is like. Um, it's got portions of the original, yeah, yeah. Um, but the rest of it has just come together from improvisations, and it didn't sit well with me. I mean, now I listen to it, I'm like, okay, yeah, now I can hear that it's a solo, but mm -hmm. you know, it was um, one of those things that you know I went home or went to the you know our Airbnb, and for the rest of those those solos, I was just spending like all night to the point where my fingers were getting shredded way more than even back in the day when yeah. I first started playing. Um, trying to develop, like, you know, creating this journey throughout the solo, like he talks about, and, um, and you know, not being so, um, just wanting to play fast all the time, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. widdly, widdly parts, as he says. And then, so I would literally spend all night writing solos, getting the band in, going, what do you guys think about this? And then they'd go, oh, what about this, what about this? Then I'd, you know, I'd turn up to the studio and, um, and play. And then I remember the, the, the second solo I did was the solo for a song called The Way I'm Wired. Mm. And then he was like straight away, he was like, man, like that's, that's a whole lot closer. Let's just change this part, this part. And then by the end of it, um, I'd turn up and be like, here's the solo. And I'd play it once. And he was like, cool, that's great. Let's just do it a few more times. And so, um, and especially now, like listening to the way I used to write solos, the way, you know, I, I write them now and even the way I think about them now, mm. it's just so drastically different. Mm. And I mean, like, how can you even learn that if you're not going to be in a room for two months with a legendary producer, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you're going to be, you have to, it's a process of what you've just described as a process of opening yourself up to his guidance, which is born of way more experience than any of us will ever have, right? Yeah. But that's still a tricky thing because it, it was making me think of, I don't know if you know of this concept, but particularly in creative writing, they talk about murder your darlings. So your favourite phrases, the things that you're most proud of, they're generally the first things that need to just get the fuck out yeah. of your writing. And so that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about him critiquing your solo. You've probably got these stock little licks and phrases that you're really proud of. And he's going, yeah, but they don't serve the story. Mm. They don't serve the story of the solo. They're not, you know, they're clever. They're, it's good technique. It's well played. <laughs> but does it need to be there? And so it, it, it's reminding me of that. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And I think that one other part that was, like, at, at play during those solos was that um, when, you know, I, me and Dan were talking about this last night, is that because I was playing so much, mm. 
um, I was literally became sometimes an observer where I'm sitting and my fingers start doing things that like I've you know never done. And Dan <laughs> yeah. was like, "I'm glad that you kind of said that because I remember thinking the same thing. Like I've got a pretty good grasp of things, but man, you were like playing things that are, you know outrageous." And so it's like then I had to go back and like and learn it. You know, it's just a yeah. few runs where it's just like, "Oh wow!" And wow. Are, you, are you also describing a little bit of a a an unbottling of, you know, you've been a guitar teacher first and foremost in a way for a long time and now you're getting to cut loose. Yeah. You're back on the instrument, which is what you love and what brought you to all of this. And so, of course, you're going to, you know, f- flow freely and wildly. Well, definitely. I mean, yeah. I, re- I remember one time, you know, in the, the, the dark years, so to speak, you know, <laughs> literally in a very dark house that never got any sun. Um, I remember one time... Uh, you know, picking up the guitar and then just and I just I remember just strumming a few chords and just being like, just just taking a, a two minute breather and then I I realized that I had not played guitar for me for years. Mm-hmm. Every single time I picked it up, it was but to facilitate someone else or yeah 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 or some product absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and so to yeah to be in that creative space and to to be to able play to play for unleash, yourself yeah yeah, yeah. was um. Yeah, it it was for for yeah. I was going to ask so you: long. Do you think that um, being a good, I guess it's a combination, but what can you speak to around being a good guitar player, helping you be a good teacher, and how has becoming a good teacher helped you as a guitar player? Well, I think that the the number one thing kind of goes back to that whole the way that I developed my teaching methodology mm. of. Um, you know, I've got like onboarding training I've got for the Guitar Mastery Method instructors where we talk about like, you know, we need to understand, you know, how neuroplasticity actually works in the brain. So you can like, you know, add these, uh, you know, tips and tricks, all these, these tools, use these tools so that people can actually learn faster. And then so, uh, you know, so there's that and then, you know, the Tony Robbins motivational thing and then just the super simple instructions and so like using all three of those and drawing a Venn diagram being like right here in the middle is where we we want to be doing this mm-hmm. you know so and it's like anything if you you can do something really really well but to be able to take that information from your own head and put that into somebody else's head and make it stick yes and get the motivation so they actually yeah. you know continue to practice that um is it can be a complicated thing and then so uh, I guess that I'm lucky because of the fact that I did have an interest in wanting to learn quicker because I wanted to learn guitar quicker mm-hmm. and then I wanted to learn business quicker. Um, and then so, it's, you know, if you have the skills, um, then you need to be able to do your two, like uh, Albert Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, then you don't really understand it yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, I had the advantage of teaching a six-year-old guitar, <laughs> you know, and then so it's like understanding how to, to bring things down to the most simplest bare bones thing to get the result, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know that they're playing an E minor chord. It means nothing to a six-year-old, mm-hmm. but it makes this sound when you put this finger here and this finger here, mm-hmm. you know, and then so realizing that there wasn't actually any difference in the way that I teach a six-year-old to the way I teach a 60-year-old, just maybe the vocabulary changes, but mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the, the, the passing of the information is the same. And the overall experience that you're hoping to facilitate Definitely. is the same. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Black Smoke Trigger now has a piece of product in we the do. market. This, everything you were talking about there in terms of recording in Nash, just out of Nashville. 
So the end result of that is a is it an EP or is it an album? It's, it's in that lovely little <laughs> as I love it. It's in that lovely little grey area that's my favourite. It's like the it's like the short album and the long EP. Yeah. It's half an hour ish of music, which I think is just perfect. Like six, seven, eight tracks. That sort of realm is what I like a lot these days. Definitely. So you don't get bored by it, but you don't feel ripped off like oh, it's only three or four songs. It's only fourteen minutes. I want more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Our original idea was that we we're going to go over there and record two four-track EPs. Right. And then it was like, ah, oh, like we can't do, we can't. You know, this is a thing. This is a cohesive mm. thing. And then so we ended up releasing seven tracks on the the you know the digital and the CD versions, and we got a bonus track for the vinyl. So mm. we, we we do have the eight songs. Um, and then so the, the EP is called Set It Off and that for us um, symbolizes, um, you know, for instance, for me personally, all of, all of this effort and time that I put in like eight or nine years to get to the point where like this, this CD, uh, this, mm. yeah, this EP is, is actually possible and now like, you know, we're finally setting it off. Um, and then as well as with the band is that we went through a huge amount of a, a time crunch that we knew that we needed to get these songs done and especially when we're in Nashville and it's like right okay well I need a guitar solo tonight mm. we also need to finish the lyrics for this song tonight and get some melodies um, you know because we're tracking this tomorrow and then so uh, yeah so it's called Set It Off the, the uh, first um, single from that was a song or is a song called Caught in the Undertow and um, and while we're in Nashville, I was like, guys, we need a we need a music video for this. And we got um, you know a tour booked in um, in October of last year with Devil Skin. And so mm. I was like, right, well, we're gonna have to record this video in the month that we're back. You know, we get back at the end of August. We need to prep our live show, get this music video done before we go on tour. And I was like, just sat down, listened to the song, and I got this crazy idea. Um, this visualization of us like playing on a beach and then the water coming and, and lapping up and mm. just to get the point where like we get completely submerged and we're you know under the quote-unquote ocean um, you know playing playing the song and I said this to the rest of the band and then they were just like yeah it, like sounds cool but I mean like <laughs> how on earth mm. are you supposed to do that and I was like look here's the deal we can you know because it's also like cold as hell in September in the ocean, you know. Mm. And then so I was like, okay, here's the deal. We can train for cold exposure. And we can also train to hold our breath for minutes at a time. <laughs> we can put weight belts underneath our clothes <laughs> and we can sink to the bottom of a really deep pool and we can we can do it that way. And then everyone was just like, man, like you can't control the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> someone's gonna die like this is mm. this is not safe and I was like we'll do it at night like it's gonna look good you know and they were just like man like there could be sharks like this is this is not a good idea and I was like man like just think of how cool this video will be though you know and then um, I remember uh, Andy who uh, he, he's like literally he's like the works with the band um, helps me with all the business side of the band stuff and um, and I remember he said to me um, you know the thing is man you're just going to have to be realistic about what's possible. And so I said to Andy, I said, well, here's the deal is that anytime anybody has ever told me to be realistic, 
I've done the complete opposite and had great success with this. So <laughs> we're going to find a way to do this. So uh, we spoke to Andy's friend, Anthony Plant, who is um, uh, you know, a video director and shared him the idea. And then he was like, Mm, okay like I don't know and I was like no nah, here's how we could do this we could do this 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 and he's like okay and he went and spoke to a, a director of photography um, that he had you know done some stuff with Peter Jackson and then he came back and he's like okay okay, here's how we can do it you know we, we can do a day for night shoot where we, we shoot at the beach during the day and we can like you know color grade it to look at night um, and then we just need to find a really deep pool and we can you know use like a, a, a scuba diver you know video camera which ended up actually being a um like an underwater drone sort of thing um and you can learn how to scuba dive and <laughs> <laughs> and breathe you know like yeah. under the under the water hold your breath you can swim off and then we can film it um and then it's like okay sweet well let's do it and then obviously at that point you needed to put to put together a team and he said he had a hard time finding a team because nobody mm. wanted to touch it you know it's like mm. it doesn't sound like the safest shoot of all time um but yeah we actually did it we the pool scenes were shot in a uh, a 3.6 meter um helicopter crash testing pool and um and it was quite a, an exhilarating a terrifying experience and it, you know like everybody was kind of packing a little bit but I had to pretend <laughs> I had to pretend like I, I was totally okay with it because you know yeah, it was your idea. Idea. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so I mean that was that, that in itself it was was a huge process and um, we shot the beach scenes at Mirawai Beach in Auckland and yes you are right you cannot control the ocean so the drum kit goes <laughs> flying all the time so we have to drag it back like we've got a behind the scenes thing it's just it's hilarious really and it was you know like one of those things that if we didn't do the training for it there was no way that we could have ever done that shoot yeah. you know um, but then now we do have a video that was you know that I, I said to the guys I was like look this is the first thing that's gone out that is people say they're going to search up black smoke triggers this is the first thing they're ever going to see it's yeah. got to be like the sound has to be amazing and the, the visual element needs to be incredible as well. Mm. And then so, yeah, we released that and people were like, it's fake, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, like, I'm pretty sure it costs a lot more to CGI, the yeah. bubbles coming out of our mouths, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, once we finally actually released the EP, um, we had um, a, a US promoter that helped us with that and we made uh, a collective of nine US Billboard charts, which was, I mean, for me to see, uh, I remember on like the hard rock album charts, we got number 12 and then we like were above Korn and mm. like, you know, Queen are on there and mm -hmm. like Slipknot and all these other like huge bands. That was, um, that was like, uh, I'd say for me, you know, working with Michael was like, wow, like this is, this is really paid mm. off. Um, and then once we had literally got to that point that we had, you know, we we, had, we were on the US billboard charts. Like, I was like, wow, like, okay, this is 100%, like, we're actually doing this now. Mm. You know, we're only just getting started. Everyone keeps going, oh, you know, it's so good yeah, that you guys, yeah. it's like, nah, like, we got big plans, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but that was, yeah, that whole process, that, like, last year, 2019, was, was a, a, a crazy, crazy time, you know? Sitting and reflecting on that is pretty cool. And you're financing all of this, this video you're talking about, and all, all of this stuff. Yeah. So, at any point, are you concerned about 
cost versus experience like this is great fun it's a good thing to do and obviously it's stepping stones towards getting somewhere and you know you hope to achieve and earn money from the band and all of that but at any point are you going man we're sinking too much into this to justify it well for me it's like i look at the way that most people start a business and the way that most people start a business is that they go to the bank and they say hey i've got this idea or i'm going to buy this franchise and they borrow a whole lot of money and they put it into into it, mm. understanding that there is a possibility that it might actually pay off. And then, so for me, when I look at the way I started Guitar Master Method and I didn't have equity, the only equity I could put in was the sweat equity. And then, so then that's what I did to create Guitar Master Method to be a successful company, a successful business. And then, so with Guitar Mastery, sorry, with Black Smoke Trigger, you know, understanding that this is the the music business, and that our songs and our videos are a product that is yes harder to sell. I mean, it's it's an emotional product. It's not like hey, I'll teach you how to play guitar, and then you'll like be able to like show off that you can play guitar. It's like hey, listen to our songs. Hopefully you feel do good you when like you listen it? to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, do you like it? Does it mean anything to you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then so, um, you know, the the thing for me is that I, you know, like I have a vision of what the band is going to do. And it's, you know, and it's been the same since the start. And I know that, for instance, we can do this two ways. Either we slog it out forever and potentially not get anywhere because that's what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Or I invest money, which was what Guitar Mastery Method was created to do in the first place, mm-hmm. into this to get the ball rolling in the same way that that a record label will invest into a band. So, I mean, essentially, I feel like we're just like a self, self-serving self yeah, you know, yeah. record label. And I mean, like, who's better to make a bet on than yourself? Well, I was thinking you're, a, you're your own record label. You're also your own Creative New Zealand or something, you know, like yeah. you're supplying artists grants basically for your band members and that rewards itself i assume in the ultimate loyalty and dedication well the thing is i mean the band members here i mean like we're all like you know we we're in this for for good right and then so i mean it's like um you know dan quite often just says like look man i just gotta say like thanks again man like this has just been an incredible journey and even if it was to stop right here, like this has just been, you know, so much fun. I'm mm. like, man, like we're just, we're just getting started, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like that. It's one of those things that you know, I still have to do a lot of the business side of things, whether that's the business side of the band or the, the business side of um, Guitar Mastery Method. Um, and you know, like Josh and, and Dan and Bordrick have um, actually said to me, they're like, man, I feel I feel kind of bad sometimes because you know you've done this, you've put all this work to the point where like. So you could actually go full time with music, but you're not able to do it as much as us. We're spending more time with music than you. Mm. It just doesn't seem right. And I'm like, I'm, I said it. I was just, I'm doing whatever, whatever it is necessary to get the band to where, where I want it to get to. Mm. And then so, it's um, yeah, it, it's definitely. I mean, it's not the, it's not the easiest thing. I was speaking to my friend Christian in, in Germany, and then. You know, sort of updating him on a, on a few things, and he was like, "Man, it's like a, it's, it's like a crazy, crazy story." He's like, "You, you literally built a multi-million-dollar company just so that you could play in your band full time." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose not many people would do that." And he was like, "Nobody would do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy." You know? And so, do you do you have um, 
plans to create or invest in other things that are related, like, you know, a venue or anything like that? Is there, is there, is there, are those things you're thinking about, you know, like... I mean, I, I'm like, uh, I'm a very... I'm not suggesting yeah, that... Yeah. I'm not at all suggesting <laughs> that you're going to vanity create your own venue so you can play it. Yeah, I just yeah, mean, yeah, you, yeah. You, You're a successful, driven person yeah. who's passionate about music, and, I, and I'm and i not at all suggesting that owning a venue is a good idea. You probably, <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah, know yeah. it's not. It's a good way to, you know, have a small fortune. But, <laughs> but I'm just thinking, are there things like that that you're thinking about well i mean for me right now um you know my two focuses are, are sticking with with guitar mastery method and with and with the band and um you know i do want to get into you know investing um and other things more than anything just to help secure um you know that foundation yeah, um, yeah. and to make sure that things aren't you know going to topple over because of you know like mm. running out of money or something goes bad with one part of this this whole project mm. um you know but at the moment it's like it, it's you know 100 percent of everything that i have is, is just going directly into the band so i mean yeah one, you've, one done day, your, you've done your hard yards you've done your grunt yeah. work in terms of getting to this position when you exactly. can do this yeah, yeah so i mean one day like you know yeah. maybe five years maybe 10 years yeah um you know i I'd, I'd love to be able to you know even just even if it was a, a passion project or, or somebody yeah. else's passion project yeah. i was sort of able to like investing in a small podcast or something yeah maybe maybe yeah. <laughs> no but yeah. One, yeah like when you when you've got like yeah three four albums whatever it is right like when the band's done more than what it's done now yeah 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 when you've, when you've if not completed the journey of the band but at least completed a leg or two of it yes exactly yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah yeah so what does 2020 hold then 2020 for us um we are writing right now for um for our album um and it's uh looking like we will likely be working with michael wagner again mm. which is and this really is a awesome. full-length album full-length yep. album yeah. yeah and then so for us the, that, the and it's called the midnight metal symphony exactly <laughs> yeah, yes yeah. exactly <laughs> the symphony orchestra is already booked yeah. yes definitely <laughs> wonderful definitely. <laughs> And so, you know, for us, the um, the EP was a way for us to to find our sound because, yeah. you know, it's like we we have a very collaborative writing process with the band, and it's the first time we've ever it's ever been like that. But then it's like, okay, so now we have an identity. This is who we are, and then so we're all writing like everybody's writing like mad. Most people more than me because I'm having to do these mm. other things. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, you know that's going to be able to, to change relatively soon. In the next few weeks, we're going to be able to focus a little bit more time on it. Um, but so that's yeah, we're we're doing that. We've got a tour coming up in in March um, that is going to be announced very soon. And then uh, from there, we're looking at um, our US promoter is is helping us a lot. Um, and so we're looking at getting on a tour in the US. Um, uh, promoting uh, the EP a lot more over there. We've got a few things lined up which um, are, are really exciting. Um, and then also looking at, at getting to Japan as well. And then so just want to get as much touring experience as we can. Mm. Um, and at the same time, just build up more and more and more momentum so that we can get to the point where it's like, okay, sweet, here's the first single of our album. Here's the second single of our album. Here's the third single of our album. And release it in a way that, you know, we already got great results coming out of nowhere with this EP. And then so with our album, I really want to, to you know, like have, uh, you know, like have really great results with it. Now, obviously, 
it's one thing to, to put it in front of people. It's another thing to actually have a really great album. Mm. And so that's what we're, we're focusing on right now is how can we write an album that can stack up against those favorite albums that when I walk into Michael's studio, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, all but, hanging on the yeah, wall, you know? Yeah. And so that's, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, it comes down to this, this whole thing comes down to the quality of songs that, that we can create and how can, you know, how do they make us feel when, when we play them? Do other people feel that when, when we play them or when they listen to them? And, um, you know, we're all growing as musicians and mm. we're growing as writers. And so it's, um, so 2020 for us is, you know, obviously there's a touring side of things, but the the main thing that's going to make this a success is if we write one a hell of a album. album. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I guess, yeah, you imagine the thought that it could actually hang on that wall at Michael's place, <laughs> yeah. you know, next to those other things that he yeah. created. Definitely. Imagine that. That um, would be awesome. You know, it's a different climate and all of that, but, like, that's got to be... Yeah, part of the dream. I well, I mean, I like, literally have the goal of yes. we want a US platinum selling album. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, if we have that, it's like they say, it's the equivalent of having a, a five or a ten times platinum. Yeah, it's like mm. a million copies sold, or you know, stream equivalents. Mm. But the consumption is so different. Mm. But for me, it's like having that tangible thing that if I can hang that on the wall, knowing like that that's uh, not necessarily a domino that's going to push over all these other things. But if that is if we have that on the wall, then we are playing, you know, we are, we are playing in stadiums. We are, you know, doing huge tours. We do have a huge following of people that really love the mm. music. And hopefully it was a really good album at the same time. Wow. Um, we've had a good chat and this has been a great way to meet you. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't or anything else that you want to mention or plug before? I feel like we've, we've covered a lot. I think we've covered, um, yeah, a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, that's that's really it. Apart yeah. from my 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 weird um, biohacking <laughs> habits of grounding and well, I feel like <laughs> I, I, I sort of feel like you're an advert for maybe when people sleep, that's where they lose their passion because you have, <laughs> you know you just haven't lost it. Like yeah, yeah. I might as well be talking. I'm guessing we haven't just met, but I might as well be talking to the 12 year old that first started playing the guitar or the 15 or 16 year old that first started <laughs> teaching, and that's kind of amazing. Well, I mean that's that's yeah that's awesome because the thing is that for me, you know, like um, I had you know I, I, I this I, this one thing that that I'll share that I think was something that definitely changed my life when I look back at it. Um, and I was like three or four years old and I was sitting in the sunroom of my house in Taradale and me and my brother, we had this, this space book and you know, you, you turn the pages and it had all the different planets and it had the moon and you had these like little decals you could peel off and mm. slap on the different planets or throw them up in space. And I remember, uh, this one day I turned to a page and then there was the moon and I'd just taken this astronaut off the page and, and put him onto the moon, so standing on the moon. And then, uh, then my dad walks in and, and he kneels down and it's really funny because considering this now, he's probably just outside having a joint and just come in and just thought, oh, I'll trip this kid out. He says to me, Charlie, you can do anything in the world if you want it bad enough and if you work hard enough, you can go to the moon. And I remember just being this young kid and literally feeling like this, 
like neurochemistry explosion in my brain of like, you're kidding me. Mm. Like, are you serious? I remember looking up and one of those days you can actually see the moon during the day. Mm. And I'm like looking at it just going like, that's pretty damn far away. You know, like, <laughs> and it, it, it just, uh, you know, for me, it was like one of those things that, you know, I, I, it wasn't like every single day I was thinking of it, you know, but um, I actually do wonder, like I, I, I had that literal mm. crazy feeling mm. in my head of like, just, it just broke the way that I thought and created a whole new way that I thought, you know. And so people have constantly asked me, you know, why why are you so driven? Why do you, you know, work so hard? Why is there, you know, people said that there's like a fire inside of me that they wish that they had and stuff. And when I, you know, try to think back, I can only put it down to, to two things. And that is that and also the fact that I loved NBA basketball so much. Michael Jordan was my hero and just hearing about how hard that guy would work, mm, you know. Mm. And so... Um, so yeah, and I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, I I really, you know, I urge every one of my friends and everybody that I know. It's like you know, if there's something you want to do, like there is like no reason why you cannot do it. You know, you just just get crystal clear on what that is. And it's like Will Smith says, don't have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. Just stick with it, and you know, it might take a whole lot longer than than you anticipated. Just like this whole thing has for me, but during that process, the right doors can open, just like it has, you know, for, for the band and for myself. Mm-hmm.